Does truth exist? Because you have faith, does that make this book true? Does God exist? So when someone says there is no truth, if you apply the claim to itself, what should you say? Is that true? They don't think Christianity is true. They're talked out of it. You know why they're talked out of it? Because they've never been talked into it. Cross-examining skeptical and atheistic views. Welcome to Cross-Examine with Dr. Frank Turek. Christians disagree with Jesus. I mean, we seem to disagree with Jesus on several issues. When I say we, people who claim to be Christians, but, but somehow disagree with him on teachings like him being the only way or his teaching about eternal punishment or his teaching on marriage or his teaching on sex. Why do we disagree with Jesus? I think it might be because we value people's approval more than God's. In fact, there is a belief system more seductive, certainly, than atheism. And that is to come up with another gospel, to come up with a belief system that you say Jesus supports when in reality he doesn't really support it. Of course, Paul warned, warned people in uh, probably the first book he wrote, the book of Galatians, about another gospel. He says, even if an angel preaches another gospel to you, don't believe it. Why are there people in our country who claim to be Christians and not just our country around the world? They claim to be Christians, but they disagree with what Jesus said. Because they want another gospel. In fact, uh, Lisa Childers, who is uh, one of our CIA instructors, uh, went to CIA initially and was so good at what she was doing. We asked her to be on the teaching team. She's got a book coming out here shortly called Another Gospel. And when that does, we'll we'll have her on this podcast. And in fact, we're going to have her on uh, if uh, if all goes well this week to talk about progressive, so-called progressive Christianity. I think it's actually regressive, but I know the word progressive is what was what is used there. Liberal Christianity. We'll talk about it on the Hope One live stream. And uh, this coming week, uh, we'll have Elisa on, if all goes well. We'll also have uh, Max McLean on and uh, hopefully Jay Warner Wallace again. As you know, last week I was out with my uh, sick father, down in Florida. Thank you for your prayers. I'll talk more about how he's doing on Monday's Hope One live stream at 1130 a.m. Eastern. But I do want to talk about this question today about why do Christians disagree with Jesus on so many matters? I'm reminded of what uh, was asked of Lincoln once. I can't remember who asked him this, but when he was the president and the Civil War was going on, someone asked him, do you think God is on our side? And Lincoln apparently replied, let's make sure we're on God's side. Because that's where we want to be. God is not on our side. We need to be on his side. And yet I see many people claiming to be Christian disagreeing with Jesus. They're not on God's side. They're trying to get God on their side. 
but he just won't cooperate. Now, why is this? I think it goes back to this desire we all have to be approved of by, by our friends, our relatives, by the culture in general. And this was very much brought out. Jesus was paraded before the Jews by Pilate. They wanted him crucified. Pilate said, what shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. They shouted all the louder, crucify him. Now here's the key phrase that that is mentioned of Pilate. The phrase is wanting to satisfy the crowd. Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Wanting to satisfy the crowd. We have a great temptation, ladies and gentlemen, where we want to satisfy the crowd. Are you trying to satisfy the crowd by disagreeing with Jesus? Oh, no, no. I don't agree with Jesus said about hell. I don't agree with Jesus. What he said about, about, uh, about marriage. I don't just, I don't, I don't agree with what Jesus said about, uh, you know, sex and uh, premarital sex or homosexual sex. I don't agree with Jesus on that. No, no, no. I want to satisfy the crowd. Are you, are you really trying to satisfy the crowd? Cause let me tell you something. The crowd will never be satisfied until you completely renounce every aspect of Christianity. They're not going to be satisfied. You know what they're going to say? They're going to say, look, if you love us, you will approve of what we do. Whatever that is. Typically, it's in terms of sexuality. You will approve what I want to do sexually. That's what love is. Well, here's my question for today. Does love require approval? Does love require approval? Because the culture will tell us, yeah, it does. Does it require approval? Really? Think about it. We're going to get into it today. And by the way, we're live this morning here on Saturday, May 2nd. And the show is I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with Frank Turk. On the American Family Radio Network, our website is crossexamined.org. Crossexamined with a D on the end of it, .org. And uh, I did mention CIA. I've got to mention that again. We are planning on having CIA, the Cross-Examined Instructor Academy, in Dallas, Texas, August 6th to 8th. If you want to be a part of that, if you want to learn how to present Christianity and how to answer questions well, then you need to come to the Cross-Examined Instructor Academy three days. Go to crossexamined.org, click on events. You'll see it there. And you'll say, well, you know, what about the virus? Look, I don't think a virus can survive in Dallas in August. I don't even think many human beings can survive in Dallas in August. So we're going to Dallas, all right? Now, if something changes, we'll let you know. But right now, we're planning on being there August 6 to 8. Myself, Greg Kokel, Jay Warner Wallace, Jorge Gill, Brett Kunkel, Richard Howe. Uh, Bobby Conway, Elisa Childers, I'm probably leaving somebody out, David Wood, he'll be, we'll all be there to try and help you become better apologists. So check all that out. That out. You have to apply. We don't take just anyone. 
and it's for three days. Well, you'll get to interact with all of us, and we'll interact with you. Okay, let's get into this then. Does love require approval? And let me point out that the the, the kind of love that uh, the new religion in America demands of you is that love requires approval. And if we've, we've talked about on this program before that uh, the, the new religion in America is the religion of sex. That's what it is, the religion of sex. And you notice most of the things we argue over in our culture have something to do with sex, whether it's abortion, whether it's, uh, whether it's uh, uh, same-sex marriage, whether it's uh, the government paying for abortion or transgenderism or the government paying for transgender surgery or what bathrooms we're going to use. I mean, these are all issues related to sex. If you, talk, if, if, if you took sex off the table, the two political parties would have a lot less to argue over because so much has to do with towing the line on sex. If you don't agree with me on sex, you don't love me. In order to love me, you must approve of what I want to do. And you must approve of all my political positions, too, because if you don't, you don't love me and you're a hateful bigot. That's what some people in our culture will say. Is that really true? Do you have to approve of what somebody does in order to love them? We're going to get into it today, ladies and gentlemen. And after the break, we'll break it all down. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network, website crossexamined.org. Also want to mention I'll be teaching Stealing from God online beginning in just about two weeks. Go to crossexamined.org, click on online courses, hope you can join us. We'll do a bunch of live Zoom sessions if you join the premium group. All right, we're back in two minutes. Don't go anywhere. Friends, can you help me with something? Can you go up to iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast and give us a five-star review? Why? It will help more people see this podcast and therefore then hear it. So if you could help us out there, I'd greatly appreciate it. Welcome back to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with Frank Turek and the American Family Radio Network. I was just informed that some of the show dropped out in the first segment. Well, that's because I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, and the good folks that put this out are in Tupelo, Mississippi, and we're hooked up via the Internet. And sometimes if you have a problem on the Internet, it'll drop out. We just switched what we call Combrexes. That's a uh, device we use to connect us together. I mean, technology is quite amazing, isn't it? Anyway, uh, hopefully this will... We won't have any any dropouts. Uh, and the topic we're talking about today is does love require approval? Because the uh, the world will tell us, oh, yeah, love requires approval. Is that really true? Let me ask you business people uh, a number of questions, because I've been in business for many years. And I want to ask you, is it ethical in business to do the following? You guys ready? Here we go. And you don't have to be in business to, to know the answers to these. I'm just going to ask you, just consider it in a business context. Is it ethical to promise what you're not committed to deliver? Gee, that happens all the time, right? <laughs> no, it's not ethical to do that. Is it, is it ethical to bait and switch? Or how about pressure vulnerable people into decisions that will hurt them in the future? In fact, that's the reason we had the last economic crisis is because we were pressuring people who couldn't pay back loans to take loans, predatory lending. And that was partially or largely actually advanced by the government. The government pressured banks to do this. They wanted people who 
who they considered minorities to have home ownership, which was a, a good impulse. The problem is, is that the people they were trying to pressure to be owners of homes wouldn't ultimately be able to pay back the loan. And that led to the whole mortgage crisis and the, the big downturn in 2008, 2009. So no, it's not ethical to pressure vulnerable people into decisions that will hurt them in the future. How about, is it ethical to get someone to consent by hiding important information, such as the real risk of disease and addiction? Of course not. Any attorney will tell you, we're going to sue if you hid important information about the real risk of disease and addiction. How about this? Is it ethical to offer a long-term position and then withdraw it immediately after the person is committed to you and turn down other offers? No, that wouldn't be ethical. How about this? Is it ethical to consent with another person to break the law? Well, no, you can't consent to break the law. It's the law. doesn't matter if you consent to it. It's still wrong. So obviously, all those things are wrong in a business relationship. Next question for you. How about in personal relationships? Is it ethical to promise what you're not committed to deliver? Is it ethical to bait and switch? In personal relationships, is it ethical to pressure vulnerable people in decisions that will hurt them in the future? Is it ethical to get someone to consent by hiding important information, such as the real risk of disease and addiction? In personal relationships, is it? It's not in business relationships. Are you saying it's okay in personal relationships? How about is it ethical to offer a long-term position and then withdraw it immediately after the person is committed to you and already turned down other offers? Finally, in personal relationships, is it ethical to consent with another person to break the law? Of course not. Why do we think that what we don't think is ethical in business relationships is just fine in personal relationships? Because a lot of people think, hey, if we consent, it's okay. Really? Does consent make something okay? Who said? Where does that standard come from? I mean, it might be true in some instances, but certainly not all. If you're breaking a law, then who sets the law? The law of personal relationships. Because, you see, the new religion in America says that basically you can do all those things and it's per perfectly ethical to do. Because you need to get what you want to get. Sex. In fact, here is the religion of sex. This is what we, we tend to think. Here are some of the phrases you'll hear with regard to the religion of sex. Try before you buy. Really? What is she, a car? Try before you buy. How about this? I love you, but I'm not ready to commit. That is what we call a contradiction. I love you, but I'm not ready to commit. Love by definition requires commitment. There's no such thing as free love. Well, if you truly love someone, which means that you seek what's best for the other person, by definition, you're committed to that person. You don't love somebody and then walk away. That's not love. That's just fulfilling your own self-interest. 
How about if it's, con- if it's consensual, it doesn't hurt anyone. Consent doesn't turn evil to good, ladies and gentlemen. And by the way, what does hurt mean? And where does that standard come from? You can do anything you want as long as you don't. Yeah, hurt somebody. Who said that? Where does that come from? Now, in many cases, that's, that probably holds true. But in all cases? And what does hurt mean? Is hurt just physical? What about if you hurt somebody financially or emotionally or psychologically or spiritually or morally? How do you, by the way, how do you know you're not going to hurt someone? Do you have perfect vision into the future? How do you know that? You don't. Hurt is not just physical, by the way. There are many ways you can hurt someone. You also hear this phrase, sex is just physical. Really? Do you really think that's true? Sex is just physical? If sex is just physical, why are sexual abuse victims haunted for much of their lives over the sexual abuse they experienced? I know people that are in treatment programs. They were abused as children and they're still in treatment programs years and years later. If sex is just physical, well, why don't they just get over it? If sex is just physical, why is it worse if somebody rapes you than if somebody just physically assaults you? If sex is just physical, why is it if your spouse goes out and has sex with somebody else, you don't go, oh, that's just physical? Because you know it's not just physical. There's so much more to it. Sex isn't just physical. Sex is spiritual. It's moral. It's psychological. It's emotional. Sex is like fire. You put it in your fireplace. It's wonderful. It'll warm you. You get it anywhere else in your house. It will burn your house down. Maybe not immediately, But over the long term, it will. And many of us right now, many of you right now who are over 40 years old know what I'm talking about because many of you have tried it your own way and you realize now, yeah, that didn't really work out now, did it? There's a lot of pain and suffering that resulted from my immoral sexual behavior because it's not just physical. There's a lot more to it. And the culture wants to tell us it is. And unfortunately, in our culture, sex is the new religion. It's an old religion, just resurrected. Now, what I'm about to say, for you uh, folks out there that have very young people listening, you may want to just explain it to them after I'm done here. But this is what the religion of sex has brought us. 11 is the average age that a child is first exposed to porn, and 94% of children will see porn by the age of 14. 94%. 68% of church-going men and over 50% of pastors view porn on a regular basis. Pastors. Of young Christian adults 18 to 24 years old, 76% of them actively search for porn. And pornography use increases the marital infidelity rate by more than 300%. 
And there are physical effects of pornography, not just emotional, psychological, and spiritual. And here they are. Pornography creates new neural pathways in your brain, which creates addiction and inhibits your ability to have normal sexual relationships. There are, there's evidence that it actually changes your brain chemistry, that certain chemicals are released in your brain, which inhibit your ability to have a normal relationship. No, it's not just physical, but part of it is physical. Money from pornography is larger than all the money, the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, and Major League Soccer take in combined. Now, now you know, by the way, why Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 6. Uh, to a church, by the way, that was sort of in the Las Vegas of the ancient world, Corinth. He said this, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. You're sinning against your own body. How are you sinning against your own body? Well, in the case of illicit sexuality or pornography, you are actually changing your brain chemistry. You're actually becoming a slave to something that you don't want to be a slave to. Paul goes on to say this. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. In fact, John Calvin said that was the summary of Christianity. You are not your own, but you were bought at a price. You're bought at a price. So honor God with your body. Honor God with your body. Flee from sexual immorality. Look, you got only two choices in life. You can either worship the creator or, the, or some aspect of the creation. Those are the only two choices you have. And everyone worships something. Everybody is worship, worshiping either the creator or some aspect of the creation. In fact, at the end of the day, there's only two religions in the world. There's either a religion where worships the creator or one that worships some aspect of the creation. And you want to worship the creator and enjoy the creation. Now, again, our culture is going to say, does love require approval? And they're going to say, yes, it does. Well, does it really? And is this the, tr the, the kind of love that Jesus asks of you? The kind of love we've been talking about? If it is love at all? We're going to unpack it further right here. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network. Website, crossexamine.org. App, two words in the App Store. Crossexamine, two words in the App Store. And don't forget our YouTube channel and Facebook pages, Crossexamine. A lot going on there. Back in two minutes. Friends, Frank Turek here. I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist is a listener-supported radio program and podcast. So if you like what you hear here, would you consider donating to crossexamined.org? 100% of your donations go to ministry, 0% to buildings. We're completely virtual. So if you can help us out, we greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Does love require approval? 
That's the question we are investigating here today on I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with Frank Turek. Well, we saw the kind of love that uh, the culture tells us we ought to have for one another, and that's pretty selfish. I'm going to do whatever I can to get what I want, and if I don't want to commit to you, then that's just fine. I'm going to call it love, even though it really isn't. Love binds itself. Love is committed to the good of the other person. But question, what kind of love does Jesus ask of you? Jesus said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. What does that mean? Well, before we get into it, let me point out that we were just talking about sex. Do you know that sex is created and encouraged by God? In fact, God's first command to human beings was this in Genesis 1, verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Be fruitful and multiply. The, the first command is basically to have sex, be fruitful, multiply. And you know that the Bible has a very high view of sex. In fact, uh, if you read the Song of Solomon, you're going to, uh, you'll, I can't read it here. You'll all blush. I'll blush. <laughs> okay. You just can't do it. But read the Song of Solomon. It's all about the, the majesty and the enchantment of sexual love. That's what the Song of Solomon is all about. It celebrates it. And in fact, when you read it, you're going to realize there are some strange to our ears analogies in, in this love note from Solomon to his, his, his loved one. Your hair is like a flock of goats leaping down from the slopes of Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep just washed. You know, things like that. And we don't quite understand that, but they did in that context. In fact, if you read... Not just the Song of Solomon, but the entire Bible's rated R. It is. And so it, it talks about the, wonderful, the wonderfulness of sexual love. But that sexual love is in the context of a true commitment. And this is what Jesus said on marriage. We started out talking about why do people disagree with Jesus? They claim to be Christians, yet they disagree with Jesus. And here's what Jesus said about marriage in Matthew 19. Haven't you read that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So then there no longer be two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate or let man not separate. This is marriage. Marriage is between a man and a woman, according to Jesus, to become one flesh. And ultimately, according to Genesis, the reason for that is procreation. That's one of the primary reasons for marriage, to bring forth the next generation, to bring forth children. And do you know that the ultimate goal of life is a final wedding? That's what it's all about. Go to Revelation 21. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. That's where we're ultimately heading. We're heading for a final wedding and everyone's invited to the wedding. The question is, have you accepted the invitation? Now, in our weddings we have here, our husbands are told to love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I don't know if I mentioned this to you guys already, but 
my eldest son, Zach, was due to be married on March 21st here in Charlotte. Uh, he's in the Air Force. In fact, yesterday he was just promoted to major. So now he's a major in the Air Force. Well, he was due to be married to Liliana Ramirez, who was also a captain in the in the United States Air Force in intelligence, just like he he was. And the wedding was canceled because we couldn't get them here because the military had prevented them from moving due to COVID-19. And um, so what we did three days later is we did a wedding on Zoom. And you can actually see it. It's on our YouTube channel. It's called the Captain Turek Ramirez Viral Zoom Wedding Video. You can see it if you haven't seen it yet. It's only eight minutes long. It's the most efficient wedding in history almost. Anyway, uh, he was in Texas and she was in Georgia and they got married. And uh, they still haven't seen one another since they got married on March 24th. In fact, they probably won't see each other for the first three months. So they won't see or touch one another for the first three months. Just like people married 50 years Right. They won't see or touch one another for three months. Anyway, no, but uh, they're, they're kind of doing it backwards. Um, anyway, my charge to him, as it was to my second son who got married a couple of years ago, you're supposed to love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So when Jesus says, what does that mean? Gave himself. Jesus says, my command is this love one another as I have loved you. Well, how, in what context did he say that? Remember, we've talked about this before. There are no verses in the Bible. You got to read around the passage to really see what's going on. Here is the entire passage about this topic. Three verses. Jesus says this, my command is this, love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, how did Jesus love us? When he says, love each other as I have loved you, he sacrificed for us. That's what love really means to sacrifice yourself for someone else, for the good, for their good. That's what we're supposed. That's what real love is. It's not approving of whatever I do. It's sacrificing yourself to help me to help advance the good for me. Or it's me sacrificing myself for you to sacrifice something I want so it will help you. It's mutual sacrifice. That's really what a marriage should be about. That's what love is about. You're committed to the other person. You're committed to their good. So let me ask a question for those who claim to be Christians, but disagree with Jesus on this issue of sexuality. Here's my question. If the God who created you and sacrificed himself for you, wanted you to refrain from certain sexual behaviors, would you obey him? Let me ask that question again. If the God who created you and sacrificed himself for you wanted you to refrain from certain sexual behaviors, would you obey him? I submit to you that there are several people listening to me right now who would say no. 
Well, at least you're honest. At least we know who your God is. It's not Jesus. It's your own personal sexual gratification. But at least you know that. You have an idol. And look, I'm not suggesting we don't all of us have idols on occasion none of us are perfect none of us put jesus at the top of our priority list every single day i wish we did but we don't but if you truly answer that question no i wouldn't obey jesus even if it was really true that he wanted me to refrain from certain sexual behaviors then don't call yourself a christian or any behavior he wants you to do You might be the kind of person he says, away from me, I never knew you. So let's deal with this this question, does love require approval directly now? We, We know the kind of love that Jesus commands of us. It's a sacrificial love. And yet people in our culture will say, if you love me, you must approve of what I do. Question. Do the people who say that in our culture, do they approve of what Christians do who follow Jesus? No, they disapprove of what we do, yet they will claim they love us. In fact, Dr. Michael Brown and I had a debate a couple of years ago at Southern Evangelical Seminary with a couple of LGBTQ activists, and the topic of the debate was, does love require approval or or affirmation, something like that. And in the middle of the debate, I turned to the other, our debating partners uh, on the other side, our opponents, and I said, do you love us? Now, these people claim to be Christians, but they were affirming the LGBTQ behaviors and political goals. And I said, do you love us? And they said, yes. And I said, do you approve of our position? And they said, no. And I said, well, you just lost the debate then. Because you're claiming that in order to love someone, you have to approve of what they do. When in fact, you just said you love us, but yet you don't approve of what we do. So you're, you're, you've just lost the debate here. Of course you can love someone and not approve of what they do. In fact, it's required. I mean, every parent knows this. Every parent understands that if, if you approve of everything your child wants to do, you're not loving, you're unloving. And Paul says this, by the way, in so many words, In that famous passage in 1 Corinthians 13, that everyone reads at their wedding, but nobody obeys or really understands. What does Paul say in that passage? Here are a few phrases from that passage. Love always protects. Love rejoices in the truth. Love always perseveres. Now, if you want to protect people, do you approve of everything they do? No, to the contrary, you don't. You don't approve of everything they do. If you did, you wouldn't be loving. We look at our government right now, by the way. Here they are claiming that they're trying to look out for for us, that they're trying to uh, protect us, which is a form of love. Love always protects. And they don't approve right now. Gavin Newsom doesn't approve of Californians going to the beach. Well, that would be unloving to approve of that kind of behavior, going to the beach when COVID-19 is going on. Well, I could rant on this for a while, but uh, let me just point out one thing. And that is we were told, well, let me back up for a second, because I don't know if you saw the, uh, 
the Babylon Bee headline. Well, I'll get to it after the break because it's <laughs> the Babylon Bee. They're, those folks are brilliant. The kind of headlines they come up with. Basically, they're releasing felons and lock it up surfers because of COVID-19. Now, wasn't this, did, weren't we told about this, that this was all about flattening the curve, that what we need to do here is flatten the curve. And if we could flatten the curve, everything would be okay. Well, we've done that. We flattened the curve. This was never about preventing people from getting the virus. It was, it was about preventing too many people at once from getting the virus because you can't completely prevent it. But now suddenly the goalposts have moved. Now we've got to keep everything locked down, even though we've accomplished our goal. I'll unpack this more right after the break and continue with Does Love Require Approval? We'll unpack that further right after the break. I'm Frank Turek. Back in two minutes. Hi, friends. Frank Turek. You can only have two things. Either you can have hope or you can have despair. Every day during this coronavirus season at 1130 a.m. Eastern Time, 1030 Central, we will be live online with a new live stream called Hope One. It's at crossexamined.org. Go to crossexamined.org, and we're going to give you hope every weekday, Monday through Friday, 1130 Eastern, 1030 Central. I hope you can join me. This from the Christian satirical site, The Babylon Bee. Here's the headline. California prisons release, release thousands of felons to make room for skaters, surfers, people who go outside. <laughs> and here is the, uh, the, the uh, story. Again, it's satire, okay? Uh, but it's so close to the truth, you go, this is crazy what's going on. Governor Gavin Newsom has instructed detention facilities across California to begin releasing violent felons to make room for skateboarders, surfers, and other people who have committed the heinous crime of going outside. Thousands of cells have now been freed up for the dregs of society, as Newsom referred to people who go to the beach or skate at a skate park. As the felons left the prisons, they laughed at the skaters and surfers entering the previous, their previous cells. The skater bros just said, dude, not cool. And the surfer said, totes, uh, not stoked, bra, major kook move, dude. <laughs> we need to free up these prison cells for the really dangerous people like beachgoers, said Governor Gavin Newsom at a press conference. We can't have those dangerous people who sit on the beach for a few hours or do doozy flip kicks and 630 spinneroos out on our streets. The felons went out and immediately committed crimes, but many were undocumented immigrants, and so they were given a stimulus check instead of getting arrested. And that, of course, is from the Babylon Bee, ladies and gentlemen. If you're not getting your satire from the Babylon Bee, consider yourself undereducated and uh, unamused because <laughs> the Babylon Bee does some great work. Now, it is really crazy when you think about it. There was a judge in California that let out a bunch of sex offenders. And now the, the governor out there is trying to arrest people who go to the, walk on the beach. Why? California is doing great. When it comes to spreading COVID-19, they're not spreading it very much. It could be weather-related. It could be herd immunity out there. It could be there's a lot of space between people anyway in many parts of California. And it's nice to go outside. It helps with the mental health. In fact, think about this, ladies and gentlemen. And yes, we're going to get back to does love require approval. Notice, if Gavin Newsom is claiming that it's loving to prevent people from going to the beach, he's not approving of their behavior. Of course, 
Of course, to love people, you don't always have to agree with them. In fact, in order to love them, you have to disagree with them. But as we said before, we've had Dr. Dan Eichenberger on this show several times. And his point is this. The only way to stop this is to allow enough healthy people to get this that herd immunity is put into place, which means the virus has no place to go. What you do is you sequester the people who are vulnerable right now, people who are of a certain age and have pre-existing conditions. The rest of the people are not going to die from this particular virus in most cases. And if enough people get it, the virus has nowhere to go. And then everyone is protected. We don't have a vaccine. We don't have time to wait for a vaccine. What we need to do now is allow enough healthy people to get it. And you don't do that by locking the country down. We we're, we flattened the curve. The hospitals are not overwhelmed. In fact, the hospitals are begging for patients right now. Many of them are going out of business because there's not enough patients. This is the way to defeat this thing right now. Now, we didn't know this maybe two or three months ago. We know it now. And so things need to need to stop getting locked down. We need to go in the other direction while protecting the people that uh, are vulnerable. Look, people are going to die no matter what you do. If you if you leave the country locked down, they're going to die, as we've said on this program many times before. If we if 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 we uh, open it up completely. Yeah, there's some people are going to get it and die, but we need to do our best to protect those people without locking the entire country down. Now, by the way, this isn't my proposal. This is what Dr. Dan Eichenberger says. He's the MD. He's dealt with infectious diseases for many years. This is his point. We don't have a vaccine, and even if we got one, it wouldn't be in time right now. So this is, it looks like what we need to do. But back to our point about love. In fact, our, all of our criminal law presupposes that certain behaviors we must stop in order to ensure that we love people by protecting them. Love always protects. Look, if love required approval, then we couldn't love our children. We couldn't love our spouses. We couldn't love those who disagree with us. Are you saying the only people you can love are people who agree with you on everything? Well, you, might, you, don't have, you can't love anyone then, friend. Because you don't agree with everybody, with, with anyone on every single thing anyway. We couldn't love our enemies if love required approval. And yet... Jesus commanded us to love our enemies. Now, notice that what, what this, of course, means is that, is that love is not a feeling. Love is not a feeling. If it was a feeling, you couldn't love your enemies because you never feel good about your enemies. No, love is a commitment. Love is a behavior. Love is a choice. It's not a feeling. It may start with a feeling. As C.S. Lewis put it, particularly when it comes to romantic love, Romantic, the feeling of being in love may be the spark that starts a relationship, but it's not the engine that keeps it going. If you fall in love and you feel infatuated with the person for a, a, a short period of time, you know, the, the, the kind of period where you can't think of anything else, you're just thinking of that other person and, and, and all you're thinking about is the other person, you can't get much else done. You're infatuated. But if that feeling continued, what would become of you? You couldn't get anything done. Your heart would be beaten like a hummingbird. You'd probably die within a few years. Who can live with that level of excitement? You couldn't. The kind of love that a marriage in particular turns into is much stronger than just the, the feeling, the infatuation that starts it. 
Lewis said, that feeling of being in love is the spark that starts the relationship, but it's not the engine that keeps it going. You couldn't love your spouse if love required approval. You couldn't love your children. You couldn't love those who disagree with you. You couldn't love your enemies. You couldn't love anyone. And by the way, if love required approval, God couldn't love us because he doesn't approve of what we do frequently. Much of what we do, he doesn't approve of. That's why he had to come. He had to take our punishment on himself. So no, love does not require approval. And the people who say this don't approve of conservative Christians. It's really a practically self-defeating statement because they don't love us, yet they say they love us if love required approval. So no, love requires you stand against evil. Love requires that you say, no, this kind of behavior is going to hurt. It's going to hurt you and hurt others. And that's why I'm against it. And much of sexual behavior. In fact, most sexual behavior, unless it's inside. Let me put it another way. Sexual behavior outside of sex between a man and a woman in a marriage is harmful. This is why Paul said this in first Thessalonians four. And there are very few places in the scripture. It says this. What? That this is God's will. This is one of the places in scripture. It says expressly, this is God's will for you. Here's what he says. First Thessalonians four. He says, this is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or a sister. Let's go back to what we talked about in the second segment. Are you baiting and switching somebody? Are you promising that you love someone when you really don't? Are you consenting to break the law with somebody else and you're calling that love? You're taking advantage of a brother or a sister. Are you concealing your true intentions so you can get the short-term sexual satisfaction that you want? You're, you don't love somebody. You just love what you want. You just love yourself. And yet you're sinning against your own body, says Paul. He goes on further, by the way, in 1 Thessalonians 4. He says, the Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, here's the key sentence. Well, it's all key. But here's the punchline. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Look, if you don't agree with what I'm saying. Okay, you disagree with me. But Paul is saying, you know, you're not just disagreeing with me. You're disagreeing with God. Why do you disagree with Jesus and you claim to be a Christian? Because there's a much more seductive worldview out there than atheism. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the worldview that says I'm a Christian. I'm just a progressive Christian. I'm just, I'm just somebody who Jesus approves of, even though Jesus doesn't approve of what you're doing and what you're saying, according to the scriptures. Jesus really doesn't approve of much of what we do, whether we're conservatives, liberals, or atheists or Christians or whatever. That's why he had to come. 
He had to live the perfect life in our place. But shame on us if we're going to take his words and ignore them. Shame on us if we're going to say that Jesus agrees with us when in fact he really doesn't. No. If you don't agree with what Jesus says, you're disagreeing with God. And this is why Greg Kokel in his new book, his updated book on tactics has a tactic called what a friend we have in Jesus. What does he mean by that? What's well, you don't have to take a position on marriage. Jesus has already taken it. He's your friend. Look, everyone wants Jesus on their side. So you just say, here's what Jesus said about it. If you're disagreeing with Jesus, look, if you disagree with me, that's okay. I'm just another human being. But if you disagree with Jesus, you've got a problem. And here's what Jesus said. And he said it for our own good. These, these laws, these rules, they're not for God's benefit. They're for ours. You truly want to love somebody? You've got to commit yourself to them. You've got to sacrifice yourself for them. That's what this is about. It's not some selfish, oh, I love you, but I'm not ready to commit to you. No, you don't love that person if you're not ready to commit to them. Commitment or love requires commitment. All right, friends, it's been great being with you. Don't forget, we've got, uh, oh, I want to mention, this is on YouTube. Go to our YouTube channel and type in does love require approval? You can see an entire presentation I did recently at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. All right, great being with you. I'll see you next week. God bless. If you benefit from this podcast, help others find it. Just go to iTunes or any other podcast service you might be using to listen and leave us a five-star rating on the I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist podcast with Dr. Frank Turek. It will take you less than five seconds. You can also help a lot by leaving us a positive review for others to see. This podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and many other audio content delivery apps. Thank you and God bless.